Founders Fake Startup Supercharge AI, the promise and the power. What is happening in AI? And how will AI in the next few years transform what we are doing in business, government, and economies around the world? Is AI conscious? This is a question I get all the time. People come up to me, Captain Hoff, tell me, is AI conscious? I mean, if you interact with chat GPT deeply enough, at times, it'll seem like it's an actual thinking machine, like it understands the relationship between you and it and the world around us. Even an engineer, one of the top engineers at Google thought that Google's AI was conscious. So the question is, is AI conscious now? And will it become conscious in the next few years? Well, in order to answer this question, we have to go a step further and ask another question. How do large language models work? If we want to understand if AI is conscious, we need to understand how the technology works. And I can tell you in very simple terms how it works. Large language models are literally just math. They are math, nothing else. What they do is they digest a lot of data, massive amounts of data. That's why they need all this computing power to run these large language models because they are processing so much data, all this data across the internet. And what they are doing is looking for patterns. They are matching patterns and they are using statistics and math to figure out the relationship between words and then use those relationships to construct answers. So every word in the dictionary has a relationship to every other word. And what the large language model is doing is in terms of map, they are using what are called vectors to map out the relationship between different words. And then when you type in a sentence to a large language model and get an answer, what it's doing is reconstructing this using that model. For example, Large language models are trained in a simple way. You they are trained by leaving out words and then predicting what would be the next word. For example, a dog went to the backyard, dug a hole and buried a blank. What would be blank that a dog would bury in the backyard? A bone is the answer. They are trained that in most cases, the, the most likely answer given that prompt is bone. So what they do whenever you ask it a question is it simply goes back using the model as it's trained with questions and answers, leaving words out and predicts the next word in a sentence. So whatever the next logical word based on the vectors, the distance between other words, all these other words, the relationship and all the information, the prompt that came before it, what would be the next logical word? It actually doesn't know what it's saying. It has no idea. It is literally a machine predicting word after word after word based on all these data and these mathematical equations. That's all it is. So if you ask, you know, it may seem like when you're chatting with a chat bot and it really is talking to you and asking questions and seeming like it understands, it doesn't, it may understand, 
But what it understands, it's a mathematical relationship between these words and what is the next logical word it should put there, constructing a sentence and asking the sentence. It doesn't understand the context about the greater world. It doesn't know that you are even human. It has no concept of what these things mean. So the answer is, right now, these machines are far from conscious. They are not conscious at all. Does that mean that they could become conscious? Well, that is a question we don't know the answer to. Nobody knows the answer to. But what we do know is that in the coming years, and Sam Altman, the CEO of OpenAI, he predicts that these machines will become so smart that they will actually be able to do most of the tasks we do better than we do them. And in that case, when these machines get so smart at actually acting in the real world, they are literally simulating consciousness. And that's where we're headed in the future. We will have these mathematical-based machines that look and appear to us to be conscious, even though underneath the hood, they probably will never be conscious, at least never like we are. Multimodal AI. This is a big trend. So multimodal means combining different types of input and output. So multimodal, a very simple one, is text. You type in a text answer to chat GPT, you get out a text response. Where it gets multimodal, more than one mode, is when you go to mid-journey or dolly and you type, it, type in a text prompt and what do you get? Out pops an image. So that's a different type of thing. They're going further than that. They're having, uh, they're developing these platforms now where you type in text and literally you get out a video or you get out a constructed virtual world based on the text you type. So there are, the multimodalness is where we're headed is you'll have different inputs and different outputs. In the future, you may type in text and because you're wearing a glove or a shirt with feedback, with haptic feedback, you may get sensations on your body. Or it may take sensations from your body and translate them into other things, into imagery or into sound or music. So multimodal, uh, what we're going to see is the translation between all these different inputs, all these different kind of modal inputs and the outputs we get. And it's going to be amazing. This is the next big trend in AI, in generative AI. AI generated images. How do they work? How does AI magically create these amazing images? You know, everything from photorealistic images of cats to landscapes, to fantasy, cartoons, animation. How does it do it? How do software like Midjourney, platforms like Midjourney or Dolly, how do they do it? Well, they use a process called stable diffusion. And I'm going to explain this to you in very simple terms so you can understand. Stable diffusion works differently than what I told you about the text prompts, how ChatGPT works with text. What it does is it actually starts by taking all these images, millions and millions of images from the web. And here we have an example of a cat, taking a cat, millions of images or hundreds of thousands of images of cats. And what it does is it runs an algorithm that processes it 
and this stable diffusion algorithm actually diffuses it. It takes a picture of a cat, it adds a layer of randomness. It adds another layer of randomness. It adds another layer of fuzzy randomness until that cat is just a bunch of random looking pixels. Doesn't look like anything like a cat, but the data through this algorithm came from a cat. Later, when you go to, let's say, Midjourney, and you type in, I want, you know, create me an image of a cat. What it does is it takes that same algorithm and works backwards. But it doesn't start with the set of random images from any one cat. What it starts with is a totally random set of fuzzy pixels. That's why they call it diffusion, diffuse pixels. And this random set of pixels, as it runs the algorithm, it starts to pull data from all sorts of cat images because these images were labeled with cat. And what it constructs is a picture of a cat that is unlike any one that came before, but has all the similar traits of all the other cat images. So it's a combination that's made starting from random data and then applying an algorithm that is trained on all this data from all these cat images. That is how stable diffusion works. And that is how we're able to get such a variety of images. Because every time you type in cat to Midjourney, you're gonna get a, a different looking cat. Why? Because it's starting with a different set of random pixels at the beginning. GPT-5 is coming. So the big news now is GTP5 is in development. Google's also developing the next version of Bard. Facebook has its own AI that it's developing. All these new platforms are competing. And what they're doing is they're getting more and more powerful. They're getting bigger and bigger models. And so the next versions will be far more capable than the previous versions. Where is this headed? Well, it's very interesting. Where it's headed is that as we use these tools, they are just gonna become better and better at understanding us in their own mathematical way and giving us results that are meaningful to humans. Because at the end of the day, the data doesn't, what it gives us, it doesn't matter unless it's meaningful and actionable by us. So the real test is not how big the model is. Nobody cares how large the model is. In fact, larger models consume way more computing power. What we care about is the results it gives us. And so far, we've seen an exponential rise in the quality of the results based on the size of the model. The bigger the model, the better the results. Will this trend continue? Well, probably up to a certain point. After you get to a certain point, it probably won't make much difference how much more data you feed it. Because once it's trained well, it's trained well. And people are now taking other approaches really smart approaches that reduce the size of the model. One of these is ORCA, which learns from explanations. Now, ORCA is not this fun whale here. ORCA is actually the name Microsoft gave its progressive learning algorithm. And what is a progressive learning algorithm? What it does is it actually relies on other models, larger models. So Orca is a relatively small model and they've kept it small by having it learn, training it by asking other models, let's say ChatGPT4, asking ChatGPT4 questions. And the answer question tied to the answer it gives it actually helps it become smarter without having to have 
all the data and processing power of a larger model. So this is revolutionary. Basically, they are saying, look, we can get Orca potentially down to the size that it could run on a laptop. This smaller language model could run on a laptop, yet it could approximate the quality of responses. And remember, I said the quality of responses is all that matter. It doesn't matter how large the model is. It doesn't matter how much data you have. The quality of responses as high as much larger models. So, and that means much less computing power. That means smaller companies can run these, a much more competitive environment. It will change the dynamic of generative AI. Gecko is even smaller. And the question is, is smaller better? So Gecko is a very small uh, language model developed by Google. And what Google is doing is they're saying, look, we could get these language models so small that they could even run on a smartphone. So imagine this, you could have, instead of having a, a gazillion computers running NVIDIA graphic cards, which is extremely expensive, sucking up huge amounts of power, we're gonna give you a tiny little model that can run on a phone or potentially run on an IoT device in a factory, in a business, on in cars. Like you could literally have models running in cars. Now, why would you do that? Well, because you're pushing the intelligence to the edges of the network. And some of these edges, they may not even have internet connectivity. You might not need it to solve, to get an AI, a generative AI to solve simpler problems, specific problems to specific needs. And this is amazing because what it means is, first of all, you won't have a monopoly by the large players, Google and uh Facebook and OpenAI with their huge platforms. A lot of startups can start developing very specific models for specific needs in locations, like on a factory room floor. They don't need to know everything on the internet. They don't need to answer every question, but they do need to be trained on data and understand certain things well. So what we're seeing is a shift and we have all these cute animals like Orca, Gecko, Google also has a bison, you know, a much bigger model, a huge model. So we are, we are seeing models of various sizes with various attributes and various advantages and disadvantages. That is a big trend taking place right now. Can you copyright AI generated content? This is a huge question, a billion dollar question because Right now, businesses, artists, you know, people are using uh, software like Midjourney and Dolly to create images. They're writing blog articles on ChatGPT and Bard, and they're posting these on the internet. And some people are even writing novels and they're planning to make movies. Can you copyright this? Well, the law is very fuzzy. There's a big gray area. Big gray area. Now, a judge recently ruled against this in the United States, and he said, literally, you cannot copyright AI-generated content in the United States because we believe, and copyright laws say, that you cannot copyright anything that is made purely by a machine. If it's made by a machine, you cannot copyright it. That's the copyright law we live under right now. Could change in the future, but that's the law. So the answer is no. However, other people are arguing well, what about content created by a machine and a person? Like, you know, if you're a painter and you're using spray brushes and other tools 
to create a painting, you can copyright that painting. If you're a writer and you're using a machine, like a word processor and other, other things to write a novel, you can copyright that. Yes, it's created by a human, but a human assisted by a machine. Why is an AI any different? Well, it, again, it, you can go either direction on this. Why is it different? Well, in, mo in a lot of cases, all you're doing is entering a simple prompt. Like you go to Midjourney or Dolly, type in a simple prompt, you know, create me an image of a castle, boom, a, a bunch of images of castles pop up and you can pick the one. The legal system is saying, no, that's not enough human contribution for this to be copyrighted by a person. However, let's say in the future, which is going to be happening today, literally companies like Adobe are allowing you to use generative AI to create content and then modify the content extremely. Like, you know, uh, create content that, that's layered that you can actually start to manipulate instead of just getting an image off Midjourney or Dolly, you can literally get an AI generated image and start to tweak it a lot. In that case, you could argue this new image that I have modified is copyrightable based on my modifications. And that's where we're headed. We're also headed to, an, to a zone, which Adobe is really pushing now, to have content that isn't ripping off other people. So normal AI like chat GPT, you know, with all the articles out there, with Midjourney, with all the images out there, they're literally, their data is images that other people have created. It's stories or articles that people have written, books that people have written. It's literally uh, Im digital images that were created by people based on artists and sculptors, all sorts of different things, photographers. These people, those original images are copyrighted. But Adobe's saying, look, we're gonna have our own pool of Im images, our own images that we own 100%. So if you're an artist, we can give you the full rights to these and you can go ahead and copyright them because the underlying images are our property. So it's a very complex space and people now are, AI is going to be a tool that all of us use. Every artist uses, every writer uses, every creative person uses, every marketing person uses. We will all be using AI if we're not already, most of us are already using this daily in our lives and we will need to copyright this material. So we need to know where the boundaries are and what's permissible and what type of data out there, who has access to the data, is the data copyrighted? All these become very big issues moving forward and they are being resolved right now. Human computer symbiosis. So AI is becoming an inextricable part of our lives. Like literally, I cannot write an article now for the web without consulting chat GPT. Like, of course I modify it, of course I change it and put a lot in my own words, but I will use it. People I know, like doctors out there, they're literally using chat GPT to come up with uh, responses to their patients that are more friendly, that have a better tone. People are using uh, image generation software in advertising campaigns. We literally won't be able to do any job in the near future without some sort of AI contributing to it. So AI is gonna contribute to all of our jobs. We can see it with generative AI. It's also gonna work in all aspects of our lives. And I am going to go into a few of these right now. Will AI write and speak for you? I'm not talking about 
using AI like ChatGPT to write an article. What I am talking about is it actually responding on your behalf to other human beings? And the answer is yes. Google's already been experimenting with this, you know, with an app that will actually answer your phone calls and answer questions for people. These haven't been fully productized, but they will be coming into the marketplace. So in the not too distant future, we're going to see where you will call up somebody and instead of getting them, you'll get their AI and you'll say, hey, is Bill free on Friday? You know, does Bill like to eat? Is he a vegetarian or can we go to a steakhouse? And the AI will respond and say, okay, schedule that meeting for me and Bill and the AI will take care of it. We may even have my AI talking to your AI. So we wouldn't talk to each other. We just let our AIs talk to each other, figure out a good restaurant, a good location, a good time for both of us to meet. This is the future, right? AIs will be writing for us. We'll be in the office and we'll be go to the AI and say, hey, you know, give, give, send this message to this person and go through all this data and let them know the status of the shipments and which vendors are late and how much we're paying and the AI will take care of it all. It will literally go and coordinate with all the people in your business. AIs will be augmenting everything we do and how we communicate with each other. AI and healthcare. So already, you know, people have smartwatches that are monitoring their health, gathering data. Well, the AI is going to be more proactive. The AI is going to actually literally be coaching you. It'll be your personal coach based on your information, all the data it has about you, your his health history. And these AIs will become so smart because we could actually give them permission according to HIPAA and other laws, to access our healthcare data. You know, when we go to the, uh, our doctor and we have blood tests taken and we get all the lab results, like the lab results are really hard to understand, but an AI could literally take those results and then also correlate them to our personal data that we're getting from our wearable device, you know, our iWatch or smartwatch that's giving it personal data on us throughout a long period of time, sleep data, health data, all sorts of data, blood pressure, and then it could actually diagnose us and come up with much more superior uh, diagnoses than a human doctor would because a human doctor simply wouldn't be able to process all this data. They wouldn't have all the data in all the medical journals combined with our personal data from our body and uh, any lab data that we get taken. Imagine combining all three of those. The type of healthcare we will get will be far superior in the not too distant future than we have now. And we can get it on a continuous basis. So it could be proactive. Literally, it could alert us of problems before our doctor even knows, before we know. And then, of course, we will go talk to a human doctor and make sure that the, that the AI is giving us good advice. But at the same, it will be a combination, a symbiosis of human beings, like a human doctor, and, and this generative AI, and all the data that we have access to. AI bosses, are we going to be ruled by AI? Literally, will AI be coming into the workplace and acting as our boss? Well, let's ask a few questions. What does a boss normally do? Well, number one, they identify potential, like who are good employees? Well, AI does this very well. In fact, AI can interview people far better than people can because we all have biases. We have filters. We look at somebody. And a lot of times, if you know, more attractive people get hired more. More attractive people get paid more. But sometimes 
a person who isn't more attractive, you could actually hire them because they have much more potential that you're not giving them credit for because you're just judging them by their looks. And that's what humans do. We judge each other by our looks. AI can go deeper than that. AI can ask questions that human beings might not ask. AI can look for all the correlations between the answer during a job interview and what uh, a person actually performs like. The, another person with similar answers, right? So you, AI could construct a model for different personalities and start to understand which type of people are right for which roles and who they should hire and who sh they should pass on. This is one element of a manager. Another is team building. Uh, you know, people are good at team building. People will always be necessary in building teams. But in managing, coordinating events, giving feedback, you know, We've all had bad bosses. We've all had mediocre bosses. You know, it's not too often we get a great boss, but an AI could literally be the best boss ever because the AI could always be there for us, always answering our questions, always helping us, always training us, teaching us to be better, setting goals for us that are realistic and walking us through those. Our normal boss is too busy and they're human and they get upset and they may yell at us. The AI would never yell at us. It would always be more constructive because that's how it would be programmed. Another function of boss is assigning tasks. AIs could do this very well. They can do this today. They can coordinate things and assign tasks very efficiently, a lot of times more efficiently than human beings can because they can do it based on data, not based on emotions, like how I feel about this and what is the priority. They can really look at the results they're gonna get, track those results, and that brings us to our next one, measure our performance. So AIs will be measuring our performance in the workplace. They will be singling out which employees are great, which ones need to get promoted, which ones aren't doing well, which ones need to get support, and which ones need to get fired. So if you haven't been fired by an AI yet and you haven't been hired by an AI yet, just wait, it is coming. Lastly, providing feedback. You know, performance reviews, when your boss gives you reviews and tells you how you're doing and sets out a career and a path for you. AI will literally do this function too. It could do it right now. And there is, there are AIs out there that are literally writing performance reviews and giving people feedback already on the job. We will see this taken to the next level. As the AI gets more data about our individual performance on the job, the AI will be able to do this better and better and better until it outperforms people. So will AI be our bosses in the future? Absolutely. Companies will use them simply because they work so well. We, as people, will like them because they're actually more effective than human bosses. So this is a definitely a big trend in AI. AI of education. Will AI take over education? Yes, the answer is yes. AI has a remarkable ability that humans don't. When a human stands in front of a classroom and teaches to 30 students or 100 students, that is one human teaching the same thing to all these people. In the future, we are going to have an education system that is far superior. You know, our education system, the one we live with today, is primitive. It was developed during the Industrial Revolution. It, the idea was, in, during the Industrial Revolution, the idea was we want to educate the masses. Before this, 
The only the elite were educated. The masses never got an education. Well, how do you educate everybody? How do you give everybody an education? Well, you do it like an assembly line, like a factory. You bring all these students in, they have a certain grade level, they all get taught the same things at the same time in the same way. That cookie cutter approach is, is antiquated and it never, has never worked that well. It is far better as people who have tu private tutors know to get individual attention. Well, the beauty of AI is you can scale it without spending the money. An AI can literally be your private tutor. It can go at your own pace. It can learn your strengths, your weaknesses. If you know a subject, it can skip ahead. If there's another subject you're more interested in learning, it can give you that. If you have di learning disabilities like dyslexia or ADD, it can adapt to you and help you specifically learn better. It doesn't do what a, a teacher does, which is teach the same thing to everybody, whether they're a super smart person, a super fast learner, or whether they're struggling, a teacher has to teach the same thing across the whole class. And what they end up doing is dumbing it down and putting it somewhere in the middle so that the struggling students aren't totally left behind and the, and the super advanced students aren't completely bored. But what they end up with is mediocrity. What we need is excellence in education. And that's where we're headed with AI. AI will fundamentally transform how we teach and how we learn. All of us will be learning all our lives with AI. And there will come a point where there's no need for a human teacher. Like there's literally no need to go into a classroom. However, there will be a need for teachers of certain things, and that is teamwork. How do you, how do you work as groups? How do you collaborate? We need, these are learned skills too. So what we're gonna see is you can get a lot of knowledge learning from an AI. You can learn you know, all the mathematics, reading, writing, all this from an AI far better. But you're not gonna learn how to cooperate and collaborate with other human beings sitting there with your AI. You will still need to go into a classroom. So teachers will become more like mentors. They will mentor you. They will spend more individual time. They will plan group activities and group projects. And this, it'll be a very different teaching style that will be also augmented by AI. So you'll have your AI teachers teaching you kind of the basics and all the knowledge stuff. And then you'll have your human teachers teaching you how to interact with people, have emotional intelligence, how to communicate all these other skills. And it will be combined in the next generation education in our high schools, our grade schools, our universities, will be combining these as we move forward. Who do you trust? So that's a big question. You know, whether you are doing business uh, in your own country or in foreign countries, or you're going on a date with somebody, who do you trust and how can you trust them? Well, AI has the ability to actually analyze people and give them a trust rating based on data. It can be, there are companies out there right now that I know that are working on technology that can literally look at people's face, their expressions, how they talk, and it can gauge whether that person is lying, telling the truth, whether they're trustworthy, all sorts of things. So we, because we have this tool, we will be using this in our business and in our personal lives to figure out who we can trust well, who we can communicate with, who we are compatible with, AI will play a huge role in this. AI will be the ultimate matchmaker. It'll actually, we will have AIs that we will use. You know, when you're in a conference, who should I be talking to at this business conference? Who could provide value to me? Who do, who should I be signing a contract with? The AI will provide that match and it will tell you, yes, you can trust this person. Yes, they're a good match for your business. Yes, the, it will be a win-win. They will gain this and you gain that. 
AI will be our mediator, our glue, connecting all of us together with each other and helping us accomplish whatever task we want to accomplish. Predictive AI, another amazing uh, uh, trait of artificial intelligence is to predict the future. We have AIs right now that can literally predict whether people will have heart attacks. AIs that can literally predict people's actions. They literally, Israelis have developed AI cameras that can look at people and predict whether they are going to shoplift, whether they are going to steal a product off a shelf before they steal it. So the AI can be looking in just by how the person walks up and down the aisle, how they glance around, what they're doing. They can pattern match that to other shoplifters who have shoplifted in the past that they caught on camera and analyzed and trained the data on. And then they can alert the store. This person is about to shoplift. Watch them or get them out of your store. Same with security cameras outside buildings. The AI will be able to predict who's a normal pedestrian and who's looking to break into that building. We will have these AIs because we have a zillion cameras everywhere, literally analyzing everything people do and using it to make society safer. They even have AIs right now that uh, judges are using to determine whether convicted people, people convicted of a crime, should be let out on parole in the United States. Like the AI is determining what their recidivism rate is. Will they commit a crime again? What is the likelihood? And that brings us to social problems. Like, it sounds great. You know, if an AI can tell us better than human beings analyzing it, a parole board, whether this person should be let back into society, whether they will commit another murder, whether they will, you know, go and sell drugs or commit some other crime. If an AI can tell us more accurately, why shouldn't we use it? We should use it. All of us, you know, we should. However, there are dangers because AIs aren't perfect. They are trained on data. And that data could be biased. It could be biased by skin color. The color, you know, it could say people with a certain skin color, because they are in a certain socioeconomic condition or certain neighborhoods, they might be more likely to commit another crime. So we shouldn't let them out of jail. But that's wrong because we have to look at the individual. We can't just look at a general pattern created by a computer when the data itself is biased because essentially we are locking up more people of a certain type, whether they have darker skin or certain physical traits, we are locking them up more that they would necessarily commit another crime. Because at the end of the day, it isn't how you look that makes you commit a crime, it's who you are. And can an AI do this accurately? So far, I have my doubts. Like the data out there is just too biased. And we need to understand that this is a problem that doesn't just apply to letting people out of prison and back in introducing them back into society. It applies to job interviews. You know, if you go to a job interview, it may be judging you on traits which are really irrelevant to who you are. They're just generalized data and the data itself is biased, so they're saying, we're not gonna hire a person who looks like this. We're not gonna hire a person who talks like this. These, because they're not a right fit for the job. These are serious social problems that we need to address because all of us will be perfected. They could say that, oh, people with glasses, I, you shouldn't hire people with glasses because they aren't as smart as people without glasses. Silly things like that, AI can make these mistakes if they get the wrong data. And societal data, because data generated by society is generated a lot of times based on prejudices. We need to 
there's actually whole schools of, uh, of education right now and, and engineering that are used to unbias data, to remove bias from data. It's an extremely hard thing to do, but it's something that is absolutely necessary moving forward. Taking humans out of the loop. This is a big thing. So AI is going to be getting smarter and smarter and smarter. What does that mean? At a certain point, it will be more efficient to do jobs without humans involved. Why? Because humans slow things up, because humans muck things up. So you can imagine, you know, why do you need a human being in a truck that's uh, carrying cargo across the country? Well, you may not. It may actually be much more efficient not to have that person in, in, in the truck. Number one, the truck will need to stop more often because the human needs to eat, the human needs to sleep, the human needs to go to the bathroom. If it's just an AI, the truck can keep on trucking. It never has to stop. In many other jobs, like even, you know, what flying a plane, humans make mistakes. Maybe it's better not to have a human in the loop. If something crazy happens and you're in the air, right, and you need to react quickly, having a human in the loop slows things down. The plane may be better off you know, another plane's coming its direction or a drone's about to fly into its engine, the plane may be better off actually taking action without consulting the human. It's scary because when AIs are flying our planes, when AIs are driving our cars, will we, we're at their mercy. We're literally at their mercy. But uh, if it makes sense, if overall statistically it reduces accidents, reduces death, we're gonna see humans being taken out. Human surgeons, right? An AI could, if a, a surgery is routine, an AI could perform the same routine much better than a human can. An AI, unlike a doctor, you know, a doctor can get tired, a doctor can have a bad night's sleep, a doctor could have a hangover from drinking, all these problems that cause them to botch a surgery. Whereas an AI doesn't, isn't subject to those. So yes, AIs, we, we will be taking humans out of the loop more and more as the AIs get more and more capable. Intelligent agents. What are intelligent agents? These are literally uh, AIs, uh, smart AIs, that can go out autonomously on your behalf and accomplish tasks. And these aren't simple tasks, like simply asking a question from chat GPT, giving you an answer. These can be complex, multi-step tasks. So for example, you know, I want to, I work in a factory and I want to figure out how to return a product right? Back to the manufacturer, get a refund, a reorder the next product. Very soon, we are going to have AIs that literally, you go to the AI and says, return those products. And it figures out every step along the way. So in our personal lives, when we want to throw a party, we are literally going to go to our AI agent, our intelligent autonomous agent and say, throw a party. And the AI, if we give it permission to do so, we'll figure out who we want at the party, what theme it should be, what food is served, we'll order the catering, we'll uh, invite all the people, we'll do literally everything that we would do, saving us a huge amount of time. And this means that autonomous AI agents, these intelligent agents, are going to become super valuable. All of us will use them to coordinate meetings, to, uh, you know, take our kids to school, figure out what our kids need, you know, respond when we're busy. AI intelligent agents, these autonomous agents, will be everywhere doing everything. Businesses, entire businesses will be run upon these because a lot of times they won't need humans. They will just need these autonomous agents going out there making decisions, doing things for the business over and over. Why do you need humans in that? 
this is where it's headed. It's a huge sea change and it's very exciting. And the first versions are already out. Their first versions are out right now, like AutoGPT, which is really simple. It's a do-while loop, a little loop that goes and asks a chat GPT and all its intelligence that it has from all its data. It will ask it a question like saying, you know, what would be a great vacation? And then it will get all the steps and it can actually break it all down into pieces and get back to you with those pieces. So it's still, uh, it can't, do transactions, but those transactions are coming very soon. Soon, uh, these autonomous AI agents will be booking reservations at hotels, booking flights for you, scheduling meals, figuring out which restaurant. We literally, they will be in every nook and cranny of our lives and we won't be able to live without them. AI super intelligence, big thing, right? So literally, Sam Altman, at OpenAI, he's worried about this. He went and spoke to Congress about this. He thinks that superintelligence, meaning AI that is smarter than human beings, smarter and more capable than human beings, is coming. And it's not coming in the distant future. This is his belief. He believes it's coming in the near future. It could be just years away, like five or 10 years away. What does this mean for society? When AI is literally smarter than us, We've already talked about everything AI can do, is doing now, and will be doing in the future. It's not hard to imagine AI literally running our society. And when AI controls our power plants, when AI runs our economies, when AI is uh, running our corporations, literally being the boss of entire corporations run by AI, AI is going to have a lot of power over humanity and what we become and who we are. So is it good to delegate this much to AI? Well, like all things technological, there it's a two-edged sword. There's a light side and a dark side. Let's talk about the light side. The light side is AI may literally do a better job than we do. Like we haven't been able to solve climate change. It's been a disaster. We're struggling. We're not getting there. A super intelligent AI could solve it for us and not only solve it for us, intellectually could actually implement it. Once it controls all the factories and manufacturing, it could literally reorganize our entire economy, make it more robust while solving huge problems like climate change, like pollution, we've all, like education, you name it. AI could be the best gift we ever had. And let's face it, human governments aren't that good. They're run by people. People make mistakes. People have biases. People end up getting in wars. You know, we're still fighting brutal wars like in the Ukraine where, you know, people are being barbarically killed. Could an AI superintelligence, once it gains enough power, literally put an end to war, create harmony in the world, provide a uh, uh, abundance for all of us in terms of products and services and lifestyle and healthcare. Could this happen? Yes, it could be the best thing that ever happened to us. Or it could be the worst thing because this AI may get it in its AI head, whether it's conscious or not, doesn't matter, right? With As long as it's, it's smart enough and able to execute, it could decide it doesn't want humans around or doesn't need humans or humans are a problem and literally wipe us out. Or literally, it could become so smart, but then make a mistake. We know AI isn't perfect, right? Flawed data produces flawed results, and you can never have all the data in the world to predict things. It could make a catastrophic mistake that literally wipes us out by accident, not intentionally, but by accident. 
or it could constrain us in ways that we don't want to be constrained and control us because it thinks it's for our, our own benefit to do it, control us in ways that take away our humanity. So these are the pluses and minuses. This is where we're headed with super intelligence. And at OpenAI, they have dedicated a team and 20%, that's not a small amount, 20% of their compute power, that's what Sam Altman said, will be dedicated towards figuring out what to do, how to build AI that is actually responsible and is actually compassionate and feels for humanity. And it works in the best interest of humanity. That's how seriously he's taking it. 20% of their compute power is going to be going towards figuring out the answers to these questions. Merging with our machines. So we've talked a lot about AI, but how will we be become AI? How will we integrate AI into ourselves? And I'm not just talking our lives. We've already talked about that. I am talking our bodies. How will we integrate AI into our bodies? Well, it is coming. Like through our smart devices, we will, they will be AI powered and they are going to be measuring our blood pressure and health and giving us feedback. But even more, we are going to be inserting literally electronics into our bodies. We're already doing this with pacemakers and other things, but brain computer interfaces are going to be the big change. As soon as we have brain computer interfaces, and this could be a chip, like Elon Musk wants to drill a hole in your head and put a chip there, we've already done it. It could be a chip that interfaces directly with our brain, or it could be a non-invasive device, literally a headband or something, small device you put behind your ear that reads your brain waves because AI is becoming more sophisticated and able to read at a deeper level and actually allows you to interface directly with the internet, upload information, download information. This is the future of humanity. We will literally be merging with our machines. We will be coming one with these machines and that will totally transform us. So the question is, is the future of humanity to become an extension of AI or AI become an extension of ourselves? And literally the, the boundary between us as biological beings and this uh, supercomputing power becomes blended, blended together. That There is that definite possibility. There is a possibility we and these super AIs are gonna become one giant hive mind, one giant interconnected networks. We're already part of a network. We're part of the internet. We're all tapping away, putting our lives and our data on there. So this network already exists. What this is gonna do, the next generation of hardware and software, the brain computer operating system, as I like to call it, that will interface between directly between our brains and, the, and all the, the entire network out there of all the other brains, the billions of other brains in the world, and all these AIs and, and, and computing and machines, we will have, we will be part of one giant machine. That's what we are building. That's where humanity is headed. One giant machine that combines bio, our biological brains, our biological bodies, and artificial intelligence. Who benefits? This is the billion, or I would say zillion dollar question. The real answer for AI comes down to who is gonna benefit the most? from the deployment of AI. So hopefully, and I say hopefully, it benefits all of us. It benefits humanity in general. It lifts people up out of poverty, educates people who couldn't have an education. It gives people opportunities to do things they could have never done. It increases the quality of all of our lives. But there's also another side, a darker side, where AI has the power to consolidate power, literally. The people who control these machines, the few companies that can afford these large, language model, these massive banks of servers, 
end up having an inordinate amount of control. So companies like Google, companies like Facebook, companies like Baidu and Alibaba, companies, you know, companies like Microsoft, these companies are in the best position to control our future. And they are making certain individuals who build the next generation of AI machines and the next network, whether it's a brain computer interface network, you know, next generation internet, the people who control this have become incredibly wealthy already. And they stand to become even more powerful and more wealthy. This consolidation of wealth, consolidation of power, whether it's in individuals, whether it's in corporations, whether it's in governments, will that pose a threat to our freedom, to our autonomy, to our individuality? And will they take most of the profits and hold them for themselves? These are the fundamental questions we need to ask as society because it's very important at this critical stage. Once too much power is concentrated, once AI uh, is pervasive, is, is integrated into every part of our life, it will be impossible to go backwards. Like literally, we will not be able to reverse the trend of AI uh, taking over. So we need to right now think very carefully about who controls these AIs, what their intention is, and is it good for humanity? This is a discussion we should be having around the globe. Everybody needs to be talking about this because at the end of the day, we, if you are a person, you don't want what's better just for you. You should want what's better for all of us because all of us means your children and their children and, and humanity itself. Where are we going to go with this extremely powerful technology that has the potential to completely alter the direction of history? That is a question I will leave you with. I'm Captain Hoff, CEO of Founderspace, the leading global startup accelerator. I'm also author of the award-winning books, Make Elephants Fly, Surviving a Startup, and the five horses. 